Scaremongering, bad public health policy and media self-censorship is rampant in Australia, particularly in Melbourne, where the favourite word from the Andrews government is lockdown. And that's in order to manage a few COVID-19 cases. Few are speaking out and hand-wringing on the part of business and political leaders makes you wonder if they're totally ignorant of the latest medical and scientific facts and what really is happening in places where the virus is waning, without mask mandates and punitive restrictions. Lockdowns are now being used as a tool to railroad citizens into mass vaccination. You've got to have that jab. Get that jab. While those at risk, such as the elderly, are again being shamelessly neglected. Australians are not being fully informed about the adverse effects of mRNA vaccines and public trust is being eroded slowly by incompetent and dishonest health authorities. Dr. Mark Hobart is an Australian-based health professional with a general practice in Sunshine, a suburb of Melbourne. Mark has been concerned for some time about the welfare of the elderly, the lack of information available to the public and the reliance on lockdowns in managing COVID-19. Dr. Hobart, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you very much for inviting me. You're living the dream in a beautiful city. Unfortunately, that dream is a bit like a Stephen King novel, isn't it? Yeah, certainly is. It's uh, it's actually rather frightening uh, what was on the news this morning about, uh, well, actually it was my wife that told me what was uh, on the news. I didn't hear it, but stuff about mandatory vaccinations for public servants um, and stuff like that. Yeah, they, they seem to forget that it's our body. Um, we do what we want to do with our body. And um, to disclose our information to get a passport and then to show that to go to a nightclub, just a bit rich, isn't it? Yes, well, it's it's beyond anything I could have imagined as far as um, totalitarianism Mm. And of course, uh, you'd, be, you'd be in the inner sanctum of all the medical fraternity right now, not? <laughs> well, yes, I've, I've, I've um, certainly, we've got a group together which um, we work very closely with each other. And um, as opposed to the rest of the medical fraternity, are uh, like living in a different world, it's... It's quite strange. How does it feel, before we get into this question, so having this great conversation, but how does it feel having, um, now that we have, say, for example, YouTube or Google, they're now our medical advisor. We have bureaucrats telling you how to be a doctor, uh, and some have trouble changing a wheel on their car. I'm not saying doctors can do that, but um, it's quite ironical that these people have no training, no knowledge, except what they see on TV, basically. And they're telling you, how to fix your patient up. That's a bit rich, isn't it? Yeah. Well, after um, speaking to some of them, it's it's obvious that to me that they are working according to instructions. Mm. Um, we're all following the instructions, though. Well, not all of us, but the, yeah. uh, it seems like we're lemmings or 
you know, walking off a cliff. I mean, before I put something in my body, regardless of what we think about it, I want to know what I'm putting in. And I'd like yeah. to know what the results will be in, um, you know, not just short term. I mean, you know, chances are we'll, uh, we will live through the, uh, the jab. It's what happens um, medium or long term. So, um, look, do you think um, enough information is being provided by the Australian, to the Australian public uh, on the COVID-19 vaccine adverse events? Uh, no, there's actually a cover-up. And I've got direct experience of that uh, because I had a patient who had a severe adverse event to one of the vaccines and I <clears throat> saw him straight afterwards and sent him to hospital by ambulance and he was in hospital for a week. And it was obvious to me that this person had an adverse uh, event from the vaccine. The um, hospital, I rang him up when he was in the hospital uh, towards after about four or five days to see how he was going. And he said, um, I asked him how he was, he, and I said, uh, what did they say was wrong? And they said, oh, they said, it's definitely not the vaccine. Um, they, they said, I've got uh, a severe infection, and this is definitely not caused by the vaccine. Um, and then uh, he said, plus, they said, that I should get the booster dose. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah, that's and what it is. Can you, can you leave out the rude bits and tell us what you said? Yeah, well, I, I said, yes, that'll be most unwise. Um, and um, this has actually been borne out now by other doctors and uh, some journal articles which... Um, show that if you have um, had coronavirus in the past, uh, you'll have a, up, to, up to more than double the risk of a severe reaction if you have the vaccine. And there's now uh, four journal articles uh, relating to this, as well as some prominent doctors speaking out against us. Uh, you mentioned um, Peter McCulloch. He's one of them. And also uh, Harvey Risch has also done that and others. And uh, I actually tried to alert our chief, chief health officer, uh, Brett Sutton, about this. I sent him a letter, well, actually, I hand-delivered a letter on the 4th of May to his office in the city, and I also sent it registered mail, and I also emailed it, and not only to him, but numerous other authorities, MPs, CHOs, etc., and I still haven't received a reply from any of them about this risk. When people get their vaccine... 
the information, is it sufficiently comprehensive to allow for informed consent? I would think not. Look, I've only briefly seen the sheet that um, they give to patients and it's got virtually no information on it at all from what I saw. Mm. So how then should we assess the risks, say right now, of the uh, COVID-19 vaccines, whether it's uh, Pfizer, which is the uh, mRNA uh, version, or whether you have AstraZeneca, and I can't really think which version that is. Then you've got um, other ones lurking out there, Moderna and Johnson & Johnson. So how, how should we assess these, these risks? Well, I think the first thing is that we don't, most of the risks we, we don't really know about. And certainly we don't know anything about the long-term risks. And these vaccines are in an experimental trial phase and will be so until the end of 2023. So first up, we should tell the patient that, that these vaccines are experimental and on trial and we're assessing the risks and the benefits. We don't really know. We should say that up front. Uh, then, well, from my point of view, uh, especially in the nursing home situations, all nursing home residents should have a blood, blood test for antibodies to see if they've had coronavirus before. Mm. Because uh, last year in Victoria, we had a large number of nursing home residents who had coronavirus and um, and a large number of deaths in the nursing home. So in particular, I was uh, in a nursing home with 54 cases of coronavirus. I um, have continued to look after 27 patients in that nursing home and um, 15 of them had coronavirus last year. And I did antibody tests on the 14 of the 15 and they all had antibodies mm. to coronavirus and the ones that... Uh, didn't have a history of coronavirus, as uh, about 12, they didn't have antibodies. Now, I because I then, I knew that there was the evidence that if you give these people a vaccine and they've got coronavirus antibodies, well, number one, if they've got coronavirus antibodies, then they're immune to coronavirus and they don't need a vaccine because their natural immunity will be almost certainly as good or better as vaccine immunity. And the second thing, as I said before, if they have the vaccine, they have a much higher risk of getting a severe adverse side effect. So I, uh, I rang up all the next of kin of these patients to alert them of this fact because the vaccine rollout was occurring in this nursing home. And to, to alert them to the fact that your mother, father, whoever, uh, has antibodies to coronavirus, so they're immune to coronavirus anyway. And secondly, if they have the vaccine, that are, are at a much greater risk of getting a severe reaction. So that's... I gave, so I... Uh, I gave them my duty of care to give them an information. But that should be done by the vaccinators. 
you know, the government. And that's why I wrote the letter to Brett Sutton. I said, you've got to, you've got to tell people this before you vaccinate them. You've got to inform them of their risk. Uh, and you should really offer them a blood test beforehand to check if they've got antibodies. Mm. So that's just that's just one thing. But there'll be numerous other things that you should tell them. I, I you know, that's simply what I know about. And um, but a comprehensive uh, consent for these vaccines would probably be quite a long document. Mm. <laughs> uh, yeah, you just can't give them a piece of paper and say, well, sign this, yes or no, and uh, that's it. Well, it's not informed consent, is it? No, it's not informed consent. That's it's, right. Uh, we had a doctor on the other day, uh, Dr. Mark McDonald from uh, Los Angeles, and he was just saying this smacks of propaganda. And, uh, I mean, right, Senator Ron Johnson we had on a while back um, from uh, Wisconsin in the US checked his antibodies, or as they say, their antibodies, um, it's the same as someone else who had the Moderna vaccine. So it just backs up from what you're saying. And one size doesn't fit all, does it? Uh, no, no. So there's a lot of problems with the vaccines and the, and the antibodies and the re reactivity that people with antibodies have when they are given the vaccine. Mm. And that may work in reverse when people uh, who have had the vaccine come into contact with the wild virus. It's possible that the vaccine, rather than um, stop the virus, mm. might increase the reaction yep. to the virus. Uh, we don't know that yet. But based on sound medical practice and advice, uh, should some groups be excluded from vaccination right now? And what are the relative risks of harm for these groups? And I could think of a couple now. I could think of those that, that have had the virus already, the Wuhan virus already. I could think of those that are pregnant. I could think of young children. And I suppose, put your mind to it, you could think of a whole list what are some of the uh, groups that you could think of just immediately about who shouldn't take the vaccine? Yeah, well, certainly uh, pregnant women. Uh, uh, that hasn't been tested properly for. Children uh, excluded. Basically, any of the groups that weren't in included in the uh, trials have not been, um, well... Were, no, no one was really properly tested, I don't think, but certainly uh, lo there's lots of groups. You know, for example, I don't think they the trials really tested the elderly population mm. uh, uh, as much as they should. It was really confined to fit, healthy people. Uh, so that's what the trials have been based on. And now we're finding out what happens to other people. So, yeah, so I'd, I'd say all those groups and also the, the groups that have got a positive, positive antibody test should not have the 
vaccine. Victoria is famous for a lot of things, football, some nice uh, wineries, and unfortunately, the, uh, it's the headquarters for COVID-19 deaths. Uh, aged care, it's a, um, everybody, whether it's Melbourne, uh, Brisbane, New York, anywhere, it seems to be the area of the most risk. What can we do, though, to minimise the chance of catching the virus in these elderly places, such as aged care homes? Uh, I can only think of one thing, and that's the thing I can't talk about. <laughs> no, no, but uh, <laughs> that's right. Well, I can, but I'm, I, you know, I respect that you need to keep working. So I, I won't go there, but it's actually a... Um, um, we, we are allowed to say early treatment, and in fact, if they wish to find out more about the thing that we can't talk about, we could maybe maybe we'll call it um, what about marshmallows? In fact, it's uh, that marshmallow has won won a uh, a Nobel Prize for being such a great drug. I was reading the I think it was the um, uh, one of the departments for uh, the federal government has budgeted three lockdowns every quarter. So they're saying that this country is going to have about a dozen lockdowns every year. It makes you wonder, doesn't it? Uh, Certainly does. Uh, And uh, every day that goes by, I'm getting more and more fearful of what's in store for us. And like I say, I only see one way out mm-hmm. uh, and um, it's uh, yeah it's the marshmallows that's right those marshmallows actually there are other marshmallows too you know different yeah, flavors but you know we'll, we'll talk about those marshmallows off camera look just quickly about your practice tell us about your practice uh, you know let the sun shine in tell us about where you are yeah yeah well I've been working in North Sunshine. Uh, since 1985, um, it's a small family practice. I've, I've been um, solo here since um, for the last 20 years. Uh, so I, I look after. It's a fairly old. It's an older area, so I do have younger patients too. But it's a fairly older area, and I do look a lot, look after a lot of people in nursing homes too. Look, it's a, a pleasure chatting with you. Uh, I think the, uh, there's many more twists and turns down down the road for us, and uh, I don't think too many of those are good at the moment either. Uh, Dr. Mark Hobart, thank you very much. Thank you so much too. Thank you for inviting me. Appreciate it. And that's it for Asia Pacific Today. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Mike Ryan.